Hi, everyone. This is John Davison from the Electronic Privacy Information Center, and you're listening to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. I'm your host, as always, Kerry Parker, and this is episode 211 for March 15th, 2021. And as I'm sure you've noticed, we now have taglines, or at least I think that's what they call them. Uh, you know, that's like the classic radio show thing, like, you know, hey, this is Mick Jagger, and you're listening to Rock 104, or, you know, whatever. Rock 104, by the way, is my favorite rock and roll station from Fort Wayne, Indiana, where I grew up. Uh, I, I don't even know what it's doing now, uh, but... Uh, quick digression. Uh, I actually had a chance to meet uh, Doc West, who is the he's been a Fort Wayne institution for years uh, on the Classic Rock radio station, and actually knew somebody. It was my uncle's brother who was the program director there. So I had a chance to go visit the station when I was a kid, and this was like you know, gosh, early high school or something. And I thought it was just the coolest thing. Anyway, somehow or other, I managed to get together with uh, Doc West at the at the thing and took a picture with him and my two daughters, uh, a picture I will treasure. Uh, they probably have no no idea who it was, but we got a chance to actually go in the radio studio and 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 see a forward institution. Uh, anyway, long long digression, but back to the uh, tagline thing. So yeah, I decided with you know when I'm going to start doing some bonus content for the for my patrons on Patreon and some bonus questions, which by the way there will be for this interview. Uh, I also thought, well, it'd be kind of cool to get some taglines. So I'll be sprinkling those around here and there. And uh, this one obviously is very appropriate because today we're talking to John Davison from Epic. And, um, but, you know, I'll, I'll reuse these from time to time. And uh, I think I'm going to reach out to some of my past guests and see if I can get some taglines from them too. And, you know, just throw a little fun into this. So we're going to be talking about uh, what we call higher tech, H-I-R-E-T-E-C-H, technology for hiring people, basically. And can you imagine, you know, applying for a job remotely via some video thing, but you're not even talking to a human, you're just talking to a computer. And what they're basically claiming is that these automated systems that they've created with, you know, AI or artificial intelligence, the buzzword of the day, can evaluate these candidates for you and help you screen them uh, for things like, you know, cognitive skills and communication abilities and even emotional intelligence. Uh, you wouldn't believe some of the things they're claiming they can do just by analyzing how people respond to a given set of questions. And as you might imagine, you know, anything automated in this sort of way could have built-in biases or could just be flat-out wrong. And when people are trying to get a job, this has serious consequences. And as soon as you start automating things, then you have to start thinking about, well, can this system be gamed? You know, can, will people figure out what the algorithms are and find ways to defeat them or, you know, make themselves look better than they really are by, you know, manipulating uh, their, the way they act to game the system. So anyway, it's, it's a whole new world uh, when it comes to hiring and things like facial recognition and tools that watch facial expressions and listen to the way you speak and, you know, judge by where you're looking and how quickly you respond and how often you say, um, or <laughs> pause, or, you know, they're, they're trying to automate ways to look at all these things and judge people by how they respond to these questions. So anyway, fascinating and creepy all at the same time. 
And so that is going to be the subject of our interview today. Part one uh, will be broken up into two as kind of normal. Uh, so part two will be next week. But uh, let's get right to it. Let's get to our interview with John Davison from the Electronic Privacy Information Center. John Davison is Senior Counsel at the Electronic Privacy Information Center, or EPIC, in Washington, D.C., uh, where he's worked for a wide range of privacy, consumer protection, surveillance, and open government cases. John's a Baltimore native and has worked as a journalist before entering the law. Thank you so much for coming on the show, John. Thanks so much, Kerry. Uh, I think I think this is the first time I've had somebody on from Epic, which is great. I've been I've been wanting to talk to you guys. You guys are doing such great work, and I've been wanting to uh, reach out for a long time. I did talk to uh, Lorraine Kisselberg, which we've established you uh, somebody you have worked with before. But I think you're the first like Epic proper, you know, someone <laughs> you know uh, that I've gotten to. So, um, well, I'm so, happy to be a trailblazer. <laughs> oh, great! Yes, I would hope this is the first of a long string. But since it's kind of new, why don't you, you know, why don't we start by explaining, you know, what what is Epic about? Um, you know, how do they come to be and, and what is your role at Epic? Sure. So Epic is a public interest research center based in Washington, D.C. Uh, we were established in 1994 to focus public attention on emerging privacy and civil liberties issues uh, and to protect privacy, freedom of expression and democratic values uh, in the information age. Uh, which we are, of course, all in. Mm. Uh, Epic pursues these goals through a number of different avenues. We do policy work, we do public education, litigation, put out a number of publications and, and general advocacy. And I am senior counsel at Epic. I've done a variety of work in my time there. I've been there a little over four years now, including open government litigation, but more recently work on consumer protection uh, and and data privacy and data protection in uh, in the private sector. Well, those are all things that we love to talk about in the show. So uh, in particular, I ran across an article recently about higher tech, and that's H-I-R-E-T-E-C, um, kind of a buzzword, we'll talk, which we'll get into. In particular, which I was quoted because you've got some specific work you guys are doing in that area, which we'll get to again shortly. But, you know, so let's start off. Like, what is what is higher tech? And then there's a particular company called HireView uh, that you have been um, working with. It's not the right word uh, <laughs> that you've been working on, maybe. And so maybe talk about, you know, what, what do they do? How does it operate? And what is it that it claims it can do? Sure. So higher tech generally, I, I don't know if there's a single uniform definition, but it, it refers to uh, a sort of suite of, of products used to screen job applicants based on algorithmic decision making or, or AI. Um, and higher view is one of the most prominent examples of this. Um, and I'll say up front, we don't know exactly how it operates, and that is mm. one of the problems that right. we're, we're going to get into in a moment here. But um, the, the core of its technology is is opaque to the public, but I can walk you through the, the basic operation of the system, certainly. It's one of a number of, of AI hiring platforms that employers can contract with to help them screen job applicants. Um, others include uh, Shine, Yellow and Harvard is the other one that comes hmm, to mind. Okay. Um, so there, there are others in the field, but HireView, I, I believe, is the, the biggest player in this market. Um, these platforms vary a little bit in the details, but HireView's system consists of a mix of video-based assessments and uh, game-based assessments. Um, so let's say that you are applying for a job at a company that uses HireView. Typically, you'll be asked to set up a remote assessment um, you know, you, you can do this sort of on your own time. So this is one of the, the advertised benefits of the system. 
and it's going to be conducted automatically. You're not going to meet, at least in the first instance, with a human being. You're going to be answering questions mm. to a computer uh, that's asking you questions while it's capturing video and audio uh, through your computer. So it'll ask questions that I think that it, there are, I should clarify, there are sort of out-of-the-box prefab assessments that you can if you're a company hiring higher view, you can use those. Or they also will do custom assessments, and they can tailor those to what you say are the particular needs of the position that you're hiring for or, or your company or so forth. But the, the common questions in those prefab assessments are, are ones that you would encounter in a job interview, things like, you know, tell me about yourself. Why do you want to work here? When did you work as part of a team that failed? Or, you know, right. sort, of, sort of very familiar job interview type questions. As you're answering those questions, higher view is, as I mentioned, capturing the video through your webcam and audio through your computer microphone. And it is scanning that data and analyzing it for to detect certain things that it considers to be positive or negative indicators. Uh, and we don't know, we often don't know what those are because higher view does not disclose all of the factors mm. that it considers in these interviews uh, and the system is largely opaque. Um, but we know it includes things like intonation, um, keywords, vocabulary, bodily movements, uh, and, and currently still facial movements. So that's that's the video-based assessment. And the other piece, uh, and, and different employers use a mixture of video and game-based assessments, one or the other or both. But in a game-based assessment, you'll be asked to play through small puzzle games similar to what you might download on your phone hmm. that are um, supposed to, they're designed supposedly to, to measure your mental agility and oh your boy. cognitive ability. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting system. And, and my understanding, I, I don't think this has changed. This was the case as of a couple of years ago anyway, is that there, it's a progressive system where you, you start with a game and if you do well, it might uh, route you to a harder game. If you don't do well, it's going to send you sort of down the easier track. So there's a bit of a sorting mechanism at that stage already. Wow. So, okay, so you've got your, your video and maybe your game-based assessments. Um, and then using these two tools and, and the personal data uh, that it's extracting from these assessments, HireVue claims that it can measure a really wide range of things about a job applicant. Um, cognitive skills, communication, adaptability, responsibility, emotional intelligence, psychological traits, wow. social aptitude, all sorts of these things. And, the, and by the way, I'm not just this is not just me uh, <sighs> making these terms up. This comes directly from Higher Views marketing materials. Oh my! So they make a lot of of pretty bold claims about what they can measure through the system, and and then based on that analysis, it will produce an assessment score which is available to the company that's using HireVue services. It'll place the applicant in a tier, sort of, you know, we think this is a, a very qualified applicant, a less qualified applicant. I don't know the exact terminology because right, I've right. never used the back end, but that's the, the rough uh, configuration. Uh, and from there, it's up to the person who's doing the hiring, whether to advance that applicant, to reject that applicant, uh, or maybe even to hire the applicant outright based on that initial screening. And they can... We're told access the video of the candidate's interview, though I think I would imagine often, especially companies that are hiring at scale, um, those videos are never actually looked at for most candidates. It, it's mm. The company is really just relying on that uh, assessment that the system has cranked out. So that is the basic workflow for HireVue. Wow. And so 
<laughs> that obviously sets up a lot of the questions we're going to get to today, which I knew it would. So, so in 20, 2019, you guys, Epic that is, filed a complaint against HireVue, uh, alleging that this system uh, to assess the candidates, you know, video interviews constituted, quote unquote, unfair and deceptive trade practices. Uh, can you elaborate on that and tell us what the status of that is? Yeah, so uh, a little legal background here, and I'll try not to bore your listeners too much. Um, <laughs> federal law, and I, I believe the laws of every state, prohibit businesses from engaging in unfair and deceptive trade practices. And these terms have uh, technical legal definitions. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read one off to you because I think it's sort of important to get the flavor of that. Sure, yeah. Um, so, for example, in, under the Federal Trade Commission Act, that's the federal law governing unfair and deceptive trade practices, um, a, a practice is unfair if it, quote, causes or is likely to cause substantial injury, injury to consumers, which is not reasonably avoidable by consumers themselves and not outweighed by countervailing benefits to consumers or to competition. Hmm. So that's a lot of jargon. But the bottom line is that under the FTC Act, uh, a company can't lie to consumers because that's deceptive, mm -hmm. and it can't coerce consumers into a situation that's going to be harmful to them, especially if there is no demonstrable offsetting benefit to consumers. So that's that's the basic authority that we're working under. Now, Epic files a lot of complaints with the FTC, uh, urging the commission to take action against companies that engage in unfair and deceptive practices with respect to uh, privacy and personal data practices. So we've in the past gone after uh, Google on a number of occasions, Facebook, Uber, Zoom, Airbnb uh, for, for various mm -hmm. practices that we believed were unfair or deceptive. When we learned about HireVue a couple of years ago, it was immediately clear that certain of its practices fell under this heading of unfair or deceptive. So, for example, it's, it's collecting huge amounts of personal data from job applicants, mm -hmm. uh, whether the applicant really wants to have that data collected or not. Right. It's retaining and processing that data and making determinations based on factors that are not divulged to the applicants. Um, it's, it's sorting applicants based on a system that hasn't been publicly validated. And then, and then importantly, and I, I assume we'll talk more about this, uh, it was falsely representing that it doesn't use facial recognition. Mm. And... HireVue has, has played some games with this in the past, uh, trying to split hairs right. and uh, avoid admitting that it uses facial recognition because I think, I, I gather the company knows that that's a, a somewhat toxic term and can invite regulatory scrutiny. But what it's what it's publicly describes that it is doing, uh, which is analyzing facial data from applicants, fits right under the FTC's definition of facial recognition. So that was that was sort of a dead to rights claim. Like they, they mm. said they didn't use facial rec, but they admitted <laughs> admitted to all of the elements of facial right. recognition elsewhere. So now they actually changed they actually changed their I don't know their marketing literature or something in in response to your suit, right? I mean, so they dropped some of their claims or maybe altered some of their claims. Maybe this is a splitting hairs thing you're talking about uh, as a result of your complaint, correct? So one one minor clarification: it's it's a complaint as opposed to a suit. We're right. we're not pursuing litigation against them in court. We're we're filings with the FTC. They they have you know it's hard to identify a, a single cause for this because there's been a lot of public mm -hmm. outcry around their use of facial recognition. Um, but I I would certainly imagine our complaint played a role in this. They recently announced that they would halt using facial analysis in their interviews moving forward. This is a a change that's going to take effect over time. So they haven't immediately stopped using this, um, especially the, I think the custom built 
versions of their platform are going to continue using facial recognition for some time, but they are phasing it out. And that that's a big deal. That's, yeah. uh, you know, to see higher view respond to public pressure that way. And, and you know, I think also increasing skepticism and, and, and growing amounts of legislation around facial recognition is, is probably enough to scare a company like HireVue off unless it really sees a, a clear, tangible benefit in using the technology. Um, and it seems like it didn't here. So it dropped that or is going to drop it over time. However, that doesn't quite solve the problem <laughs> because right. what they continue to uh, say they'll continue to do is use voice analysis and analysis of uh, bodily movements on screen. Um, so not facial recognition, but but still using that video. And that those suffer from a lot of the same problems that facial recognition technology do um, in terms of being unreliable, being prone to bias, uh, mm-hmm. being ableist in, in particular. Yeah, right. A concern that uh, Lydia X. C. Brown at the Center for Democracy and Technology has spoken about a lot very, very eloquently. These systems really place disabled persons at a great disadvantage because, you know, they, they rest on this idea that there is such a thing as sort of typical movement patterns, typical behaviors, mm, typical right. modes of communication. And by definition, disabled persons are going to move and behave and mm-hmm. communicate sure. in any typical ways. So, um, so that's so they've they've made a big change, but it's not uh, it, it doesn't solve the many problems with their system. And, and this actually, this is something else we talked about recently with the Electronic Frontier Foundation on this show, and that is, and my daughters, both in college right now, are with COVID, are having to at least one of them, one of my daughters in particular, has to install one of these really intrusive, you know, special proctoring browsers. Uh, when she takes tests and with some with similar sorts of technology where they're trying to, you know, is she looking off to the side, like perhaps down at a phone to cheat or is there someone else in the room or even in class? I've heard that some, in some cases in classes, in these remote classes, they want to know, are people paying attention? You know, are they looking actually in the camera? Are they, does it look like they're doing something else? And uh, this is being rolled out, I think, in, during COVID times in particular, in a, a lot more places, it'd be a lot, of, and it's really super creepy. Carrie, it's 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 so interesting that you brought that up because that's been one of the projects Epic has been working on the past mm-hmm. couple of months is around remote test proctoring systems, and we we actually filed a complaint with the DC Attorney General, so the, the state level Attorney General in DC, against uh, five of the major online test proctoring firms, highlighting a lot of the same types of unfair and deceptive and unlawful practices mm-hmm. that we had previously highlighted in, in the higher view complaint. Um, and, and there it's, it's, you know, in higher view in that situation, you know, maybe, maybe there's an argument in some circumstances that if you don't want to be subjected to uh, AI screening, well, you could just apply to the next job right. instead of applying to this firm. Um, I think that's not always a great argument because often you know, lots of large employers in the same field oh, yeah. mm-hmm. use this technology. So there's, I think there's not always a realistic opportunity to opt out. But in an educational setting, there's really no opportunity to opt out. You right. can't, you can't, and you're not going to, you know, forego your tuition for the semester because you don't like the fact that an instructor is using Proctorio or ProctorU. Um, so you're, you're stuck using that technology and, and it's just, it's tough luck for you. So I think all of the same concerns that we've raised in the higher tech setting are are magnified in yeah. the educational setting. Yeah. And 
as you as you were talking about this, it really struck me that, and I and I've got to ask. So, do these companies, um, and we'll stick with Harvey in this case, um, do they do they save this data? Like, let, let's say. It, it, it's a small world when like so as an engineer let's say i'm i'm interviewing at several high tech companies because i want a job facebook google apple whatever let's say higher tech actually con- contracts with multiple of these places can they share data like is that oh, yeah we've seen this guy before i mean maybe i'm i'm sure that for a particular company they can't give you the the video because that would be you know somewhat proprietary i'm sure they've got license to it but can they say yeah we've not this guy's going to use your system today but this we've got this guy in the system this this person, female or female, doesn't have to be a guy, and they've interviewed through our technology before, and we have records. Do they do they do that? <laughs> do they compile a dossier on you? And then second, I've got to ask: whenever you talk about data, do they do they sell any of this stuff out the back door for any other purposes? So I, it's a good question. I honestly don't know whether these companies are building dossiers that operate across multiple employers. Um, I I would guess generally not just because of the the potential legal and regulatory problems that that could create. Um, but I, <laughs> I don't know that I don't know that for a fact. I mean you know I, I just I, I honestly don't know what what higher view yeah how it collates the data that it collects. And as far as selling to third parties, um, I, I would have to check Hireview's privacy policy, my guess is they represent that they don't do that. That is often, I mean, that, that's it's obviously important that they not do that. That is often something that companies like Hireview will point to as evidence that they take your privacy seriously. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is a piece of an effective privacy framework. But if you um, are still exploiting and, and using personal data uh, for the benefit of your clients or, or even a particular client and retaining that data to sort of uh, develop your algorithm. Um, there's a lot of privacy harm that's happening at that <laughs> stage. And it's not just a question of whether your data is also being sold to third parties. Right. But So I, I I confess I don't know off the top of my head, but I would guess that HireView does not actually do that. Well, and they, they may not make it public. I, I just know that if there's one thing I find that when, whenever we start to dig into the privacy uh, use of data, it's... These companies love to double and triple dip on this stuff. They, it's like, it, you know, it's, a, it's our capital society, and you know, and their shareholders are, you know, pushing them to make more and more money. And and we're sitting if you're sitting on all this data, and you know, and of course they'll claim that they anonymize it or de-identify it in some way or aggregate it. Those are all you know euphemisms for other, you know, giving us other opportunities to work around our privacy policy to still milk your data for money. Um, so yeah, yeah, and 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 certainly to the extent that higher view is using interview after interview to refine its model and, mm-hmm. and, and that data is being baked into the algorithm that it is certainly exploiting your data in that way and then and using it for commercial gain to sell its product to other companies that, that want to use its hiring services. Yes, so so in that sense, absolutely. I, I don't know whether they whether Hireview specifically double dips right. or triple dips to, to <laughs> also sell data to other other uh, companies, but uh, not that I'm aware of, I'll say. Right. Okay, so HireView actually went to the trouble of conducting a third-party audit of their system. I, I think, I don't know if this is a response to some of the things you did or not, or maybe just kind of, you know, good practice where they want, you know, look, we got this independent third-party, and, and, and according to them, <laughs> which is a big, you know, caveat, they said that the, this audit came back and backed up a lot of the claims, I guess, of the efficacy of their, of their product or their techniques. So, first of all, you know, what, 
what actually did this audit find? And second, can we trust that the audit, the audit was uh, legitimate or not biased? A lot of times these companies, you know, are, hire somebody and they're paying the bill. So a lot of times the, the results tend to be rosy. Yeah. So I'll, I'll sort of answer those questions in reverse. Um, the, the audit was conducted by a firm called Orca and it's, it's run by Kathy O'Neill, who is the author of weapons of math, math. Oh, Destruct. interesting. Um, she fantastic author and, and advocate. Yeah. Um, and has, uh, if you haven't read weapons of math destruction, I recommend it to your listeners. Um, yeah. it came out, I think 2017, so they, they're a pretty trustworthy firm. I, mean, I, I have no reason to doubt the integrity of their audits. The, the concern with that audit, there's a few of them, uh, is that it's, it's quite narrow. And it was rolled out in a way that suggested it was, it was a more sweeping and sort of uh, mm-hmm. momentous finding that I think it really was. <laughs> sure, yeah. uh, I think, so first of all, just to run down some of the concerns with this, it was only looking at pre-built assessments used in early mm. career candidates used for early career candidates and it did not apply to custom assessments which represent a pretty significant right, slice yeah. of higher views business as we understand it it was not a comprehensive audit of higher views use of algorithms generally and the the audit specifically mentioned that the case that was audited was not necessarily common or representative of higher views business overall um, so there's a lot of mm-hmm. limitations mm-hmm. on the scope of this audit what what the audit found what the audit says it found anyway is that uh, it did not find any indications of bias in these these pre-built assessments mm. or this, this specific class of pre-built assessments. And I'll, I'll read a passage. So uh, it says the top line finding was the assessments work as advertised with regard to fairness and bias issues. Orca did not find any operational risks with respect to clients using them. And it looked at potential score gaps between demographic groups um, and and did not identify any. Hmm. So in this very narrow subset of higher views, pre-built assessments, it did not find bias issues. But it it goes on to mention that it did not look at things like other protected classes, including, and this is key, disability status, mm-hmm. um, because that is one of the primary concerns yeah. around these technologies, that they discriminate against persons with disabilities. So, and, and that's a limitation of the audit because that information is not necessarily collected typically during a job application process. So, sure. so it wasn't able to audit that aspect of it. And it also, when it talked about measures that higher view could take to uh, sort of ins- ensure the integrity of algorithms. It, it said, basically, we took higher view at its word that it was implementing these mm. reforms. Um, and I understand certainly that that is, again, a limit of, of an audit like this yeah. if the company structures it that way. But I would not necessarily take higher view at its word. <laughs> so, right. Right. Um, yeah. So that's that's the the read of that audit. It was interesting. And it, 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 these third party audits by reputable auditing firms are certainly something that companies should be doing and should be legally required. Mm. Um, but it is not something that this particular audit did not fill me with confidence because it was also released at the exact same time that higher view dropped facial recognition from its system, which to me signals that there may have been a broader audit conducted or a separate audit conducted or growing concerns within the company that this facial recognition component of its technology really was 
deeply problematic and and was not functioning the way it was advertised and was prone to bias and so forth. So, right. So I wouldn't wouldn't hang my hat on that audit. Yeah, and, and that's something I think that's a, a, a good point to bring up uh, and that you kind of alluded to here. And uh, with a lot of these third-party audits, it's, I totally agree. It's a great that they're doing them. I, I kind of wish that they were maybe, again, you're alluding to this was more of a legal requirement that, that they it's not they don't get to choose who does, who does it or how it's done. Uh, in this case, obviously, they did both. But there's other things like what audits didn't they share, <laughs> right? I mean, exactly, exactly. And actually, and I'll mention something that's quite remarkable about this, which is when HireVue published this audit and, and a press release talking about uh, the change to its platform with facial analysis, it made the audit available to the public, but it made you go through its website, fill in your contact information, and certify that you were not going to share the audit oh with anyone else. So, huh. so any, anyone can go and get it, but you journalists can't disseminate it. Uh, oh, wow. I, I can't share it on Epic's website or anything like that, which to me is a red flag for mm. uh, how confident they are about the scope of that audit and and you know what what it really says about their technology. Interesting. Okay, so is there, do we have any data on how prevalent this higher tech you know technology is today? Like, I'm sure it's on the rise, whatever it is now. Um, but you know how how often it's being used, and even more so, like, do we have details on like, is it prevalent in you know some industries more than others? It sounds like maybe actually I don't know uh, if it's used in you know new grads, uh, new hires more than it is for you know experienced hires. What data, if any, do we have on this? So I'm I'm not a market expert, but I, I did read an analysis that said that in 2019, AI hiring was a 580 million dollar industry. So it's big. We're not mm. not talking about a, a niche industry. By all accounts, it is on the rise and, and was on the rise before COVID and has certainly been on the rise during COVID yeah, um, because companies are not doing in-person interviews right, for the most yeah. part. My impression, and I also don't have hard data on this, but but based on the clients uh, that we know use HireVue, is that it, it's a technology that appeals to large employers who hire at scale. Mm. So companies that are going to be screening hundreds of applicants for one or a few jobs um, rather than you know, small employers that are able to more easily conduct a hiring process sure. um, with less manpower. So um, I, I don't know sectorally like what what industries it's more prevalent in than others, but I, I do think it's it's something that uh, is is especially common in large employers and probably with entry level jobs where there is maybe less less attention to the individual qualifications of candidates. Now, I, while we're here, I want to ask you a question because I've, you're probably in a perfect position to to know this, and I think it's important for people to understand this because I think a lot of this stuff is not well understood. But obviously, if you're doing this, my my guess is you. Uh, well, I will ask this later, but you know you're this is being done. You know you're being recorded, and you know you know at least roughly the, how this is you know operating. But you know today that there's a lot of other sources of data out there because you know in our capital society we've got crap tons of, uh, of data on people. What other sources of data are hiring companies using as input for screening candidates? It depends on the state, but uh, because state laws vary on, on what employers can mm, use. Okay. Uh, but they, they can certainly require your consent in many cases to obtain a credit check uh, or conduct a background check before they can move forward with the hiring process. They could easily review your social media accounts. Mm -hmm. um, there have been reports of employers or prospective employers uh, asking for passwords to social media accounts. Oh my God, really? Yeah, 
Yes. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think that's common, but it has happened. So wow. it's it's a scary practice. Yeah. They can use online reputation services. Um, so not not full background checks, but but services that are just scanning mm. for your web presence. Uh, and of course, all of these types of data sources raise privacy and fairness oh, and reliability yeah. concerns, just like on uh, just like a, a higher view screening technology. So, so even even if you set aside video based screening, there are a lot of of unsettling ways that employers can try to find information out about you. <laughs> well, and and I guess to the so the degree to which some of that is automated is creepy. But I do, I mean, as I I did a higher you know back when I worked at Cisco and other and Nortel and Lucent and other places. I guess maybe Nortel or social media wasn't a thing back then. But <laughs> uh, you know, certainly when I did a lot of hiring for Cisco, I mean, I did a lot of campus stuff, and one of the first things I would do in prep for anything was you know go find their social media accounts, and you know, in a lot of cases, you know, there'd be. You know, they'd be pretty tame or every once in a while you run across the case. So it's like a Finsta account, like, you know, where people have, you know, two different accounts. They've got their public one that they would might, you know, hopefully you would find another one that they kind of keep to friends only. And it, yeah, so it's just a it's just kind of a thing today. Um, but I, 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 I bet I, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of the same higher tech is being used to automate a lot of those processes as well. And you probably the online reputation services, too. And all those things are looking at that and snarfing up that data. Yeah, absolutely. That's I. Well, confess I'm not an expert in those technologies for the most part, but uh, but I, I'm certain AI is being deployed in all those contexts. Yeah. So, and here's and here's the flip side of that. Of course, as soon as we start getting to automated stuff, in it's there's gaming that system. So, I read in the Washington Post in prep for this that that there's technologies are becoming so per- pervasive at, at schools, like universities, you know, as part of their you know hiring programs to get you help you find jobs, are actually training the job seekers to quote how to look and feel for or how to look and speak for best results, unquote. Uh, so, you know, can these systems be gamed? Do we know that they are, you know, it seems like that's the flip side of this coin every time. And on that little tease, we will break and pick it up again here next week. And, um, you know, some of the other things we're going to talk about next week are, you know, trying to play a little devil's advocate. I mean, is it humans? Humans aren't great at hiring either. Uh, you know, humans get tired. Humans have biases. Humans have bad days. Uh, they have prejudices. Um, you know, are there any upsides to trying to use a computer to screen candidates? Uh, you know, what what is the ideal use of something like this? If I'm a huge company, I've got to potentially screen hundreds of candidates. You know, is there value to this? So, you know, we'll, we'll take a look at both sides of this. We'll talk about that next week. After uh, these couple interviews, we'll, of course, have a new show and uh, obviously never a shortage of things to talk about. But, um, you know, I'll kind of catch you up on this Microsoft Exchange hack. I told you about it last week, but, man, it's, it is just the gift that keeps on giving. It's been exploited. It, it, it's a free-for-all uh, because it's, there are so many of these Microsoft Exchange ser- servers out there, and these bugs are so bad you know, even though we, the IT departments all know about these things, it's hard to, at a big company to apply upgrades sometimes. And so the bad guys are just flooding the system, trying to hack these places as you know quickly as possible before these things get patched. So it's it's horrible. I mean, man, after Solar Winds, this is this may be even this could be even bigger, even have more impacts. It's crazy. So we'll talk about that and several other things. Also. Uh, just got in the mail from Europe a signed copy of a book called Privacy is Power by Carissa Veliz. Um, 
and she is really sharp. I'm really loving this book. I'm going to be doing a book review on that, and I'll talk a little bit more about it here. Probably look more for my blog at firewallsdon'tstopdragons.com uh, for a more in-depth review. But uh, I'm really liking this book, and I think it's going to end up being one of the ones I uh, recommend a lot. And I got a signed copy because I've been, I reached out to her directly and she and I have been emailing back and forth some and been trying to get her on the show, but, uh, she's, she is slammed. This book is, is really popular. It was released in Europe first. It's actually not even coming out in the U S until April 6th. So kind of got an advanced copy there, but, uh, hopefully anyway, when things settle down for her, you know, maybe in a few months, maybe even toward the end of the year, uh, hopefully we can get her to come on the show and talk about this. Again, we've got some great new stuff on Patreon. If you want to be a patron, uh, you can directly interact with me on Discord. I'm already chatting with a few people there now. It's a lot of fun. You can have a little more influence and say on the, you know, what I do in the podcast and maybe what I do for my next book even or some video tutorials I'm hoping to make. And if you're at all interested in how this podcast is put together, when you sign up, you can check out my half hour long video on the making of the podcast. And that's just the beginning. We've got all sorts of great cool stuff coming up. So definitely check that out at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Uh, just search on Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. All right, that's it. We'll keep it short this week. Last week was really long. So uh, thanks again for tuning in, everybody. Tune in again, of course, next week. And if you just want to subscribe, that way you definitely won't miss it. I'm really super excited. I'm hopefully going to be getting my vaccine soon uh, here in North Carolina, where I am located. They are going to be opening it up to my particular demographic next week. So I don't know how quickly I'll be able to get one, but man, I'll be all over that. Can't wait to get my vaccine and get back to living a normal life. And I know everybody out there wants to do the same thing. So the way we do that is we all get vaccinated. Uh, so get signed up as soon as you can, and please help others do it as well. Some, in some places that's a really arcane, hard to follow process. So when you figure it out for yourself, help other people do it too. There is a light at the end of this tunnel folks. And, uh, we will get there. Just got to hang in there just a little while longer. Okay, so until next week, as always, everybody, stay safe out there and don't get caught with your drawbridge down. <laughs>